like, what are we doing? Is this, is this really theater? Are we, this is where we're at? Cause that's what it feels like a lot of times, you know, that it's, it's, it's theater. If we really cared about the validity of the data, because it was informing what we were doing from a business perspective, we should care. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. All right. So what's going on? What's new? It's hard to roll into the cold, cold open after such a good cold open. I know. I know. But the but the, the noise in the background would have ruined it anyway. So man, I've I've been uh, I've been listening to a couple of local podcasts, nothing to do with business or analytics. And uh, the cold open seems to be a popular approach. Like I think three or four of them I listened to did like just cold opens like we have been doing. So mm-hmm. I don't know that we I don't know that we deliberately planned to do it or maybe we did. Um, but it just seems to work. Uh, no, it was a little planned. It, it yeah. was kind of just the, you know, taking a snippet from later in the episode and putting it right before the, the opening theme, but then just kind of coming in and just starting with just some kind of rambling yeah. to, to, to kind of just get warmed up instead of just jumping right into the topic. Yeah. No, it was, it was kind of like in, in the design. Well, I like it. It works. So yeah. What's new with you? Uh, you know, parents move is done. Settlement was yesterday. Major relief. Like, you know, the major weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. That and my my siblings too. Like, you know, it was just with everything going on with them and then the move on top of it, it just it was it was a crazy couple months, but uh, now it feels good to have that 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 be passed. You know, at this point, like it was. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I teared up a little bit uh, Monday morning. Uh, my last kind of walk through the house before I started work, I quick ran over. They're 10, 15 minutes away. Just ran over and did like one little walk through the house. It's all empty and <clears throat> everything's gone, and just like one last time. Yeah, and yeah, uh, but. <laughs> But they needed to. They they needed yeah. to sell the house. Like with the condition that they're both in, you could see that the house was about to get away from them. Yeah. And then that's when the problems start. Yeah. Yeah. How how long were they in it? Thirty seven years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's we get attached to things, you know, and there's it's not necessarily the things, but the memories that were created with those things, I think is where it what we get attached to. Um, I, I, I believe I was in my last home for 15 years. Um, and when I sold it, everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, just, just go. I just need to sit here for a while. And I, and I sat on the front porch for like an hour and just kind of soaked it all in. I'm like, this is hard. There's so many awesome things happened here, you know? Yeah. Like I was telling my wife, I said the, um, the railing coming down from downstairs, if you would hold on to it as you're walking down, it made this distinct sound. Yeah. Which is like burned into uh, <laughs> burned into my brain. Yeah. You know, where the right where the creeks were as you're walking down, you know, walking through the, the first floor. Um, and 
two weekends ago. So, so when, when we moved in, <clears throat> excuse me, I was four and my sister was two. And like Ooh. our first Christmas there, the family room was bare. It was just some folding chairs. And there's this old video of us just running around in circles in that room. Um, so I caught a video of my son, my nephew, my, one of my sister's uh, kids, and then my other nephew, who's my other sister's son, all running around in circles in oh, that room. Awesome. And awesome. I got a quick video of that. So, um, cool. yeah, like it, you, you get the feeling of everything coming full circle. Yeah, that's awesome. You need to put that together in one video snippet with the with the blur between. Yeah, so that is uh, that's actually one of the things my sister she took all the uh, the VHS tapes and she's gonna work on getting them digitized, and then so yeah, I'll grab that clip and then the clip I got yeah. of them just running around in that room. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Wow. Um, but yeah, like you know, like while it was bittersweet, a little bit of sadness, like a twinge of like, oh, this chapter's closing. Like, there's so much exciting stuff in front. Like there, there's so much to be, to be excited about. And, you know, it's, it's going to be like, you can't hold on to everything for, for forever. Like at some point, like you gotta, you know, you gotta let go of things. Yeah, you do. It's still hard though. So the big news today to tell everybody is, is speaking of letting go, we're, we're ending the podcast. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it'd be a, a funny joke. No, we are not ending the show. <laughs> We're just getting our groove going here. We are, we are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, you know, it's good. I think um, we've been putting a lot into into that. Really trying to make it more thematic um, instead of just kind of like random ass conversations. Random ass can be good though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of those are good. So are you going to segue into our topic today? So passage of time. Ah, very good. <laughs> passage of time. Very good. So, you know, our theme has been around gaining experience in analytics the last several episodes. And like there, there's, we, we've talked about it. We talked about like, you know, schooling is great. It gives you some of the core skills that you need, but in reality, let's all face it, there's no better teacher than experience. And that itself only comes with time. Mm -hmm. like it, it, you can only gain experience through through the passage of time. So what I want to focus today is, is really narrowing in on analytics in, uh, instrumentation and lessons we've learned through that. And again, we, we could read all of the various manuals and integration guides from all the various vendors out there on the core things that need to be done to in, you know, implement any system. But there's only certain things you can learn by doing it. There's only certain things you can learn by pushing buttons and realize I can't push that button or shouldn't push that button. Never push that button again. You know, you can only learn by doing certain things like that. So in our time with implementing analytics and martech solutions what are some of the lessons we've learned um what do you think is the most important man i have so many thoughts <laughs> okay but let, let me try to at least start with two and i'm going to start with one that i wasn't planning on starting with but i uh jen and i were talking this morning and and this topic came up a little bit um 
And so it's interesting, interesting timing. We were talking about how incredibly difficult it is to be experts on the schematics, I guess, for lack of a better term, the nuts and bolts of how MarTech systems work. Um, even if you try to be, it's very difficult. It just things are so big, they change so quickly. Um, there are a handful of experts, I would say, um, that dedicate almost their full time to it. I think I think Simo is a good example of someone that has, at least from the outside, it appears to 100% be laser focused on Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics. Um, there are there are a few folks in the Adobe stack from an analytics or a launch perspective that have made that their laser focus, and they they know every little tier. Here's here's your, a segue back to your cold open that know every little creak and crack in the house and where all the squeaks are and like they just know it because they live it all day every day. But for the rest of us, and I put us in that category, it is so incredibly challenging to know every little squeak of a system um, because they're just so big and they're they're changed so quickly that it's almost impossible unless you fully invest yourself all day, every day in those solutions. And so the question came up, what value do you give if you don't, if you're not a focused expert in one specific solution? And, and my response was experience is insanely valuable. We have seen hundreds, if not thousands of implementations over 20 years each about that you can't you can't mimic that value with having deep understanding of the squeaks and by that i mean it's one thing to know the technical schematics of how this thing works it's another thing to be out in the wilderness faced with something that you don't know how to respond to unless you've seen something similar a thousand times does that make sense and I, and i think that that's the value we bring now we may not know like every little nuance of how google tag manager works but what we do know is the complexities of collecting data and centralized data collection in businesses using digital technologies. We've seen so many different iterations that we're able to advise and work with companies in a way that others simply can't. They just lack that deep, rich experience to be able to say, I've been in a situation just like this, or I've seen something similar, and I know the path we need to take in order to avoid this dangerous path over here. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes perfect sense um, because you, you start to maybe not know exactly some of the details, but you know, like if you go down this route, this is what's going to, to happen. And like w- w- as you're talking, what I was thinking about was is um, nothing ever goes perfectly to plan. Um, and this is the difference between theory and practice in theory when you do a b should happen but in reality you know that when you do a it could be b mm-hmm. if there's something strange over here it could be c because um it, you know a lot of times when it just comes to the nuts and bolts of it and the documentation or the instruction or the guidance around that that's all done like in a pristine clean environment. How many clients do we have that have pristine, clean environments? None. None. None whatsoever. 
there's always those things. So it's the experience that you're talking about that leads, not necessarily the nuts and bolts of the tool, but I've seen another client that has a very similar environment to this. And things went really sideways when we tried to follow to the schematic exactly. We had to mm -hmm. adjust. So we can anticipate. What you're saying is, is we can anticipate those things where you need to adjust. Yeah. And so not to with, put words in your mouth, but that's no, but the way that, I am interpreting that, that, That's it. it. It comes with experience, right? And you can, I think, very, very quickly, you can become, if, if you're really laser focused on it, you can become technically proficient in a lot of things. And, and it could be, it could be MarTech, it could be coding, it could be playing the piano, it could be playing the guitar. You know, I know people that have spent a lot of their time trying to pick up playing the guitar and they six, seven hours a day will play it. And in a relatively short period of time, a year or so, they have become technically proficient. They technically know the guitar, but there's still something lacking there. And that is the experience of playing the guitar. And you can be as technically sound as possible, but compare yourself to a master that's been playing for 30 years that may, may have the same level of technical understanding. There's simply something there at that master level that, that they can't replicate. And it's, it's that experience that builds into becoming a master that you simply can't replicate compressed time. It just, it takes time in order for that to to play out and that's not to say that there isn't insane amounts of value to become technically proficient that's part of the path to becoming a master but that isn't an that shouldn't be an endpoint because that experience just makes that technical knowledge become more and more and more valuable you made me think of something I've been meaning to tell you and I keep forgetting. So we're both a fan of, of Masterclass. And in, in all of our conversations, we talk in sports analogies. Yeah. So I saw there's a new Masterclass and new meaning I just came across it from Wayne Gretzky. Oh, very cool. And I'm, I'm dying to, to sit down and watch it because um, like years ago, like back when I was a kid, I remember reading an article about like some of the things his father did with him as a kid because he showed proficiency at hockey. He's Canadian. So you're born with a hockey stick in your hands. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, every kid in, in Canada plays hockey. Like every kid in America plays football or plays baseball, like one of those two sports. So his dad's seeing this proficiency. And he said, one of the things his dad sat down with him, I think it was like eight or 10 years old. He put the, the game on the radio and he gave him just a, like a whiteboard or well, I think actually it was a chalkboard at that point chalkboard and it had like, it was shaped like the rink with the net. And he said, okay, now close your eyes and trace on the board where you hear the play-by-play -play guy is telling you where the play is going, just trace. And it was one of these exercises. He said that it was one of these subtle exercises that taught him how to anticipate the play. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, you know, just doing that repetitiously, you know, taught him like chances are, if the puck is heading in this direction, I should be here to anticipate it getting there. So the question then is, what is the value of that versus then taking that framework and applying it to real world scenarios? And that's where my brain tends to go is, you know, 
we we study, we study, we learn, we put ourselves in 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 simulators, we we go through all these scenarios, we create all these things in a clean laboratory that gives us the framework to make these things work. But the minute we step on the ice and someone, what is it, the Mike Tyson quote? There's a Mike Tyson quote, right? Hold on. Okay. It fits in really well here. Okay. So Mike Tyson's famous quote is everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And so my, my question is, is I, and I think it's a, it's a great analogy is, is Gretzky thinking through those scenarios and how to anticipate. And now that gives him a mental model, a framework. But the minute you step on the ice and someone checks you into the board, do you have the ability to continue using that framework or do you have the, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, okay, now I've added to the model. Wait a minute that worked and I anticipated, but something weird happened. I didn't anticipate in all of my scenario training. I didn't anticipate this guy, you know, cross checking me from behind. Mm-hmm. Now no, I have and, to and add that's that to my model. True. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why he wasn't, he didn't have like, you know, a, a 100% shooting percentage. Right. You're going to miss at right. times. You're going to get checked. But what the, the, the goal of that was is, so have you ever seen like peewee soccer? Oh Yeah. It's basically just a swarm of kids following the follow. Yeah, exactly. Following the ball. What that taught him was, is don't follow the puck. Anticipate where the puck is going because chances are everybody else on the ice is going to be following the puck. Don't go to where the puck is, go to where the puck will be. So where that it helps you adjust is as you gain that, 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 that anticipation. Yeah. You're not always going to miss the check. Sometimes you're going to, you know, not anticipated at all, but it gives you just that extra step to to anticipate it. And I think coming back to to our line of work, the repetition of going through projects that aren't always clean, just going through project after project after project, and maybe not having like being able to spout off details about spec and what mm-hmm. every parameter does and every variable does and every setting does, but the repetition of going through project after project after project, it gives you that foresight to say, I've seen this before, we need to adjust, we need to plan to adjust so that we're not caught off guard. We don't get checked out of the blue. Like yeah. how many times, how many times have we been working on a project and we know three weeks before it's announced that it's going to be delayed? And I'm not talking about like the obvious signs like that they, they don't even have a homepage built. There's just certain things we hear that it's like, Oh no 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 no! This is going to get delayed, and yeah. and and again, this is an easy example, but I, I think it's one of those things where I I have advised clients like I'm concerned. I'm seeing things that are going to tell us, you know, that that tell us that this is going to be delayed. We're going to miss this, or this is this problem is is coming up. Oh no no no! It's fine. They keep telling us they're on target. I'm like, no, I'm seeing these little signs that tell me they're not. Yeah, and. And how much of that, you know, I think it's a, it's a good segue kind of talking about these like maps and mental models. Um, how much of that knowledge of just having seen it before is, I guess, I guess maybe a two part question. One, can that be passed on? Or is that something that is only a hundred percent in your head? And that leads to like, I guess the second part of the question, um, can can we or should we be doing a better job of leaving maps behind 
for those people that that follow us. And and, and my my line of thought here is that we we do a horrible job in Martech of keeping a travel journal. And and we go on this adventure, we go on this travel and we learn all of these things. You know, where we learn all these things we didn't know before that could be extremely valuable for the next person that takes that same journey. Yet we go down that path and then we leave and then someone else comes in and goes down that same path for the first time. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I and mean, it goes back to uh, the, the recent episode we had around mentoring because I can't tell you how many times in my career, early in my career, you know, it, 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 the mentoring is, is it, it's, it, it, it's not just telling someone about it. It's telling them about it all the time and pointing it out and saying, make sure you recognize this. This is the third time we've talked about this. We're start to recognize this pattern or the, this behavior. I think, you know, absolutely like that, that is something where, you know, mentoring comes in so you can pass that down to others. Um, it's almost like, it's like when you have a kid, don't touch it. It's hot. Don't touch it. It's hot. Um, kids are still going to touch it. Because they, you know, they, they, they're, they're hearing you, but they're not completely processing it. I think it's the same thing where, um, this is a problem. This is a problem. Um, this delay is not minor. This is major or, and, and again, I'm struggling to come up with a good example right off the bat, but mentoring, it, it, it gives you a chance to repeat that to someone who doesn't have that experience more often so they can learn it faster. Do you think that that is the obligation of, of companies to make happen? Um, is it hard? Is it maybe, maybe it's too hard to force that to happen? Like what, what environments have you been in where you've seen mentoring work the best? And let, and let's stay focused on, on MarTech. Like what environments have you been in where like, this company had it together. Either it just happened organically, maybe because of their culture, or they specifically deliberately put something in place. But this company had a set of mentors that made their people coming up through the ranks much more valuable. Um, in MarTech, I really can't say. Um, I, I think, well, on, on the agency side, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of it's cutthroat. A lot of it's cutthroat. Agency it does. It um, so I do. I think back to like two different agencies I was at. You, you know, when you got knowledge, you hoarded it. Yeah. Um, because that's that's your promotion. That's your next bonus. That's your next raise. Is you having that information? You don't want to to share it. Um, and then yeah, in those cases, you know, they they had like the the co op pro- programs. But again, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily like a, like a healthy mentoring relationship. I mean, I, I think I, I feel I was lucky in the first job I had out of college where there was just this natural rapport between me and two of the more senior members of the team there where it just it was this gradual gradual thing where they just kind of took me under their wing and showed me the ropes. Um. And yeah, it, it, it's something that cannot be forced. Like, and, and that's the thing is, is like, it, it cannot be a formal mentor program because that just, that doesn't work too, because it's forced, it's fake, it's not genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I don't think it's, it's an obligation of companies to do because it's either 
a a marketing gimmick that they put out there that we you know look with us look at us we're we're mentoring the next generation and chant you know there you know a lot of those the the those um uh new folks to the space or you know a lot of the college students like they're just um they're they're just free labor to them so it, it's more of something it's 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 got to be on an individual level yeah if anything it's yeah. like for those that really care about it they have to take the reins and that's why you know i've loved our conversations with stephen marshall at east tennessee state university because he's on you know he's been building something grassroots there and getting yeah. other people in the university on board with how to truly help set up those students with with real mentors not the the, the phony mentor program yeah no he's doing some awesome things um so a couple of thoughts on this and hold on, I'm going to take a note because I don't want to forget um, one of the topics I want to come back to. Um, um, so I think the one organization I was in that did it really well, and I don't think it had anything to do with the man. Well, I take that back. I, it, it had something to do with the management team and the, the people they hired were the right people that had the mentality of wanting to mentor. Um, but my, my early days at Omniture uh, were, were phenomenal. And um, I'll, I'll name a few people, but I even feel bad doing that because there were so many people that were just just driven to, to give back and teach and train. Um, and the people I remember the most were, were Brett Gunderson, um, Steve Hammond, um, I, I'm Tim Lott. And the, I think all three of those are still at, at, at uh, Adobe in fairly influential and high positions at this point, um, which makes sense. Um, but they were so phenomenal in, in helping me. And I was new to the MarTech space when I, when I joined and, and, Again, it wasn't it wasn't like any kind of a formal. These are the mentors, and they're gonna. It just happened organically, and I and I think part of it was just the right people. Um, and so that was an awesome experience for me. And then I I I, I want to say that the analytics space, the people involved, just tend to be pretty giving. I it's been it's been awesome that people want to give back. Um, and I and I found a lot of success and happiness doing that on on Twitter. Like this was a decade ago. Uh, helping people. And um, unfortunately, the analytics community died on Twitter. I don't know if it was because of um, the Slack channel, Pound Measure, that was set up, or Pound Measure was set up because the community died on Twitter. I dislike the Slack, but so many people love it. Jen is such an amazing contributor there. It works for her. It doesn't work for me, so I, I, I'm i kind of missing out on that fulfillment because I don't like interacting there. Um, but I've personally found, um, and I do, I do much less um, mentoring around analytics these days. Um, the team we have here is definitely much smarter than me when it comes to analytics. I'm finding my fulfillment on LinkedIn and Twitter, helping mentor people just in on business in general and building companies. Uh, and that has been very fulfilling for me. Um, but I, I think you're, you're right. It's, 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 it's giving people that have the desire to do it the right platform. So while you may not, um, you may not force it in such a way where you say, okay, Jim's a mentor now. And if you're new to the company, if you join 33.6, Jim is going to be your formal mentor for the next six months. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't think that works. I, I just, I think that's too, too forceful, but 
I think what does work is being deliberate and saying, Hey, we have people like Jim that are great mentors. Let's not, let's not force it by setting up a program where Jim's the mentor, but let's create an environment that fosters his ability and desire to be a mentor. And that's a subtle difference, but I think it's one that makes a world of difference in how it actually plays out. Yeah. Yeah. It it has to be genuine and has to be authentic. It can't be forced. It can't be planned. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just, it, it has to happen. And it's one of those things where you just have to set the environment and walk away. I agree. I agree. Um, so one of the notes, I'm going to go back and look at your topic because when I was looking at your topic, it got me thinking. So you said, uh, lessons learned implementation. Okay. One of the big things that I've learned and I just took a note of, and I've actually been talking about it on LinkedIn the past couple of days, if you've seen it and that, and my question was actually, you know what? I'm going to pull it up. Hold on. We're going to have all this great, uh, unfilled, uncomfortable. I'll clean it up. Airtime. No, I don't think we need to clean it up even. I think it works. Um, okay. So here was my question I posed on, on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a lot of pretty good interaction on this post. Um, so my question was when deploying MarTech solutions, how much, if at all, do you think about the person that will take over maintenance of the deployed solution after you leave? That's the question. Because I, I, in, in our, in our experience, I, I believe people think very, very little about that. Um, I would agree. Yeah, we think, and, and I, so maybe let's talk a little bit about what we've learned on why that, that happens. Um, one, it may just be people just don't care. That's definitely a possibility, right? Like this is, this is my job. My job is to do X, Y, and Z. It's to put widget A into slot B not my not my concern who comes after me so i mean i definitely think it could be a a personal thing um it's definitely a challenge with investment in martech you know we've seen this time and time again where we have companies spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on licensing fees for platforms and okay you two people you're in charge of deploying and maintaining everything (laughs) it's like what this is not possible so it becomes difficult to even think about you know you're you're so underwater all the time it's like how can you think about anything other than just mere survival um and and to add on to that you have business stakeholders that fail to see the long-term vision and you may want to think about your predecessors predecessors no what is it that people um, come Not my predecessors. Um, the opposite success- of Successors. The people that come after you, um, you may want to think about them, but your, your stakeholder pushes back and says, no, 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 no. Like, it's more important. Like, we have these 50 pixels we have to get out. Well, what are you thinking? We can't, we can't think about documentation or sustainability. Like, we have a launch. We need to get these 800 event, custom events wired in in the next three days. And it's like that all the time. So it just adds this overwhelmingness of, of trying to be able to keep up. It's, it's like, how can you think of, to say, look, I need 30% of my time to slow down and think about sustainability, to put documentation into place, to build things that the person that comes after me, cause I'm not going to be here forever can easily pick up. Um, so I, it's, it's a really, really difficult challenge. And I, I think it's one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the last decade from an implementation standpoint is that 
most stakeholders are not visionaries. They're they're middle managers that are pushing papers around and managing HR. They're not visionaries. If they were, they'd be able to see the big picture that yes, it costs more up front to slow down. We lose time. We we take we take time to put documentation and other things that don't come right out and are shown as a result. But in the long term, not making that investment is way more costly. We, we, we've lost track of the number of businesses we've seen that have been absolutely buried in technical debt that are spending so much budget on maintenance, trying to maintain something that's falling apart. And so we're, we're, we're extra spending on maintenance where we have opportunity costs, but we don't see it because our stakeholders often lack that, that vision. Um, and so I, I think it's a challenge and it's, it, it's put, and it's the reason honestly why we're, we're talking still about foundational implementation issues in MarTech. You know, we're, we're having conversations. I mentioned this to, I can't remember who I was talking to, someone that's been around the block a few times. Um, I mentioned to him on, on LinkedIn, it's like we're, we're stuck in this vicious cycle because we're unwilling to make investments that have sustainability in mind. Is it any wonder why a conference you and I sat next to each other at in 2006, we're still having that same discussion in 2021? Like, what are we doing here? But it makes sense. We, it's, we're struggling to evolve because we're so, at this point in time, we've dug ourselves such a deep hole. I don't know how we how we get out of it. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you, you put a lot, you know, that, th- that was a lot there to, to, to unpack, but you know, there, there were two things in there that, that I had on my list, you know, that, that you mentioned that, that, you know, uh, lessons learned and, you know, stuff to try to avoid is, is to your point, like there are people in, in our space that are just, you're constantly rushing. You're constantly rushing from one thing to, to the next. So you don't have time to document it. You don't have time to to really think it's through. I've got to get this thing done because then I have to get one something done after that, and then there's a third thing quickly following upon that. Um, so that this this constant rushing, um, because what we do has been made to appear so easy. It's just to, just to play this tag, just to play this tag, and the whole solution works which is not the case. And the other thing you brought up technical debt, um, the one thing I want to spend some time talking on is, you know, everybody's need to instrument everything. I mean, and that's something I've learned the hard way over the years, because I was that person early on. That's like, oh, we have all of this data. Let's wire it all up. Let's make sure we get it all. And I was talking with a client today and they they admitted like they fall into the habit of comparing themselves to to other organizations in the space and like they're doing all of this stuff and they have to constantly remind themselves well they're five years ahead of us mm-hmm. you know it took them five years to get there we're not going to get there um right away and we have to take our, our baby steps and that's where i was talking about like i'm like and avoid that big mistake of having to have everything Focus on what you need, um, and and you know again use the the hoarder analogy that we've used so many times before. You know how many times have we seen organizations where they have all of this data being collected, but none of it's being used. Yeah, the data is piled up in the dining room. You can't get to the dining room table. 
the, 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 the basement is, is chock full of data and you've got this little path to get from the basement back upstairs. Yeah. You know, and, but none of it's being used. You have all of it, but it's being used and it's quickly degrading. Did you, did you see my video that I posted where I was playing the ukulele? I did. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot like that. So I use the analogy for those, for probably most of, of you that didn't see that video I posted on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, maybe both. Um, I, I, it's, we see the same thing in lots of different areas of life. And I see this in, in music. And when I first started playing the bass guitar, the, the story I told is I had a bass and I had an amp and that was it. And then the more I got into it and the more I saw what other people were doing, it's like, well, I need like these five pedals and then I need this gadget and then I need this thing. And then you know, I need this like digital processor and, oh, now I need like a pedal board and I need these 20 pedals. And it's like, you get to a point where you have so much stuff that it's actually taking away from your ability to create music. And I'm like, why do, why do I need all this stuff? It's like, I'm, I'm buried in this debt of all this stuff. And, and I finally got to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to simplify down to a few things that I, I really, I really need. And only then did it become enjoyable once again. And I was actually able to do something that I could create some sort of sort of output from. And we see this in, we see this in analytics a lot, you know, you get an analytics solution and it's like, okay, we have a few things. We have a guitar and an amp and we're creating music. This is awesome. And then we look over, it's like, well, wait a minute. They have all these super cool things in their analytics. We need those. And well, they, and I went to this conference and they were talking about all these super cool things. So we need to add that into ours. And all of a sudden you end up with this thing that you're just absolutely buried and you're, and then you look around and everyone's like, I'm confused. Why aren't we creating music? Why aren't we getting value? We have all this stuff. It's like, it's overwhelming. It's we're, we're buried. Like it's, some of it doesn't work. Like I have these 14 pedals chained together and they don't, I'm not getting any sound. There's something broken in the linkage. And, and it's only when we're get to that point and we're able to say, this is okay. We can scale back, which most companies don't have the, uh, backbone to do because we can't say that we failed you know we have to keep going more and more so they don't but the companies that do say you know what that was a great learning experience we now know what works and what doesn't we're going to scale back to something that is manageable that we can actually use and we can actually create some output from that's those are the companies that i think are truly getting value if we're in and that's another great learning that we've seen from an implementation standpoint the beefiness of your implementation is not directly correlated to the value of your analytics practice. I think that is a, a fundamental lie that we have told ourselves that the complexity of your implementation is directly correlated to the value you're getting out of your analytics. Rarely is that true. Rarely is that true. Yeah. And the, the, the reason that false correlation is made is, well, not, well no, the correlation that the false statement is, is made based on that correlation is because it's easy to see. We we're collecting 150 different dimensions and we're collecting 200 different events. Isn't that great? But how many of them are broken? How many wow. of them are, are, were rushed out the door and not implemented well? So you yeah. don't know if they're working correctly and 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 not only that going back to my point of and you have two people to try to keep this stuff running and figure it out and so what often happens is someone on the team will raise the flag and say well wait a minute we have these like 50 dimensions we're capturing um it looks like it's capturing data but i'm not sure of the integrity of that data you know what the business will often say well we've already been using it we don't have the time to go back and check it we'll just go with it 
Like, what are we doing? Is this, is this really theater? Are we, this is where we're at? Cause that's what it feels like a lot yeah. of times, you know, that it's, it's, it's theater. If we really cared about the validity of the data, because it was informing what we were doing from a business perspective, we should care. Right. That's like saying, that's like saying, uh, Hey Jim, uh, the gas tank is showing we're on empty and the little indicators on says we need gas soon. Uh, I mean, it's been like that forever. We don't even know if it's valid or not. So we'll just keep, we don't have time to slow down. Let's just keep going. <laughs> you know, I was like, what? Why, why do we have an indicator at all then? This is silly. You know, it's just for show. Maybe it's just a sticker and it doesn't really even measure anything. <laughs> but for a lot of these organizations and people will probably get mad at me for saying this, it, it might as well just be a sticker, a static sticker that's not measuring anything because so many of these organizations are so removed from the actual outputs of the business that it has become a game to them. And to your point, the cutthroat nature of business is that they really don't care about the impact it has to the business. They care about the optics of it as it relates to their ability to increase their salary and their title. Mm-hmm. Yes, we that's, did. That's the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. So and that's hard to manage against, you know, it is. Especially in big, especially in big companies, it is. And I think, like going back to how we started this, and you know, the the we were asking about is is like what's more valuable the the technical deep knowledge of the spec or the experience of going through this. That this is exactly where the experience is incredibly valuable. Yeah, because when you do get that stakeholder at a business that's in this position who is listening to mm-hmm. it. The experience of here's the problem. This is why you're. This is the trouble you're having, and here's how you get out of it. There, there. You know, that's when you have, you know, a, a phenomenal engagement that actually is, um, tremendously successful. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Yep. So, but I mean, and again, that this is just the stuff that comes with the passage of time. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, it, it's like that, that the, the, the person who hits 22, 23, you know, they've got like their first full-time job and they're out there. They want the fancy car. They want a nice big house because, you know, that, you know, that's where, you know, their parents are at. Well, they didn't see the, the 30 years it took their parents to get there. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Like you gotta, you gotta go on that journey of like, the used car, the small apartment before you can get to, to something else. Yep. Ain't that the truth? Those are my learnings. So I can't, I think those are the big ones that I've, I've definitely walked away with. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing I was, I was thinking into this. I mean, like, yeah, there's little things here and there, but I, I, the more I think about it, the one lesson I've, I've really learned over the years is, is don't instrument everything. Yeah. Don't do it. And to your point too, is, is leave something behind for the person who's coming after you. Yeah. And to follow up on, on your point, I gave a, a talk at um, one of observe points conferences. And one of my last slides on, on my presentation was don't instrument something unless you're also committing to uh, actively maintain that thing that you're instrumenting. If you can't make that commitment, don't do it. But people will do it anyway. Oh yeah. Well, again, it's it, it's just a quick way of saying, "Yep, we do, we did it. Yep. We deployed it." And it's the there. list. Give me my bonus. Yep. Exactly. 
Yeah. Frustrating. Incredibly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm thinking of a couple things right now, but I don't want to go on a rant. So Fair enough. Fair we'll, enough. we'll just, we'll just we'll leave save that, that for another time. Exactly. Um, or people could just look back to our data hoarders episode. We went on a couple of rants about that. Maybe we should have a, uh, what's, what's the platform? Um, What's the platform that creators can set up accounts on and people can fund their content? Uh, GoFundMe? No. Um, Patreon? Patreon. Right. Like maybe we should set up a Patreon. And and for those that, that sign up for our elite level, we'll get an unfiltered podcast where we just like don't hold back. It's like here, here's this is the business friendly version. If you want to support our Patreon, we'll give you the uh, – the full unedited no holds barred version. <laughs> 33 tangents unfiltered. <laughs> 33 tangents after dark. Yeah. yeah. That could be interesting. I'm going to think about All that. Right. One. All right. Might get yeah, us in well, trouble, but who cares? Well, I mean, like, you know, like going in, like, because it was funny, I was talking with Tony earlier. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, I gave the analogy of how we pitched this. It's like, you know, imagine you're in a coffee shop and you walk past a couple of people talking about work. What it would sound like? And he goes, yeah, you just, you're leaving out all the cursing. Yeah, that's right. that's right. And I'm like, yeah, we are. But we're maybe we do. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we have a secondary version that is a, a premium paid version that's unfiltered. Yeah. yeah that'd be fun. <laughs> You got me thinking now. All right. Yeah. Because my, my plan is, is after vacation, I'm coming back and hitting the content stuff hard. Cool. So who knows? Maybe by, by August, we might have a, an unfiltered podcast. We shall see. Well, cool, man. This All was right. a lot of fun. Yeah, good stuff. Yep. All righty. Catch you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.